Janet, thank you so much for that prayer this morning. Uh, just a good way to come into this passage of Scripture this morning. This morning, we are going to look at the Gospel of Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16 and verses 1 through 8. If you are here this morning, maybe you're visiting with us and maybe you don't own a Bible, we want you to know that there are Bibles uh, under the chairs in front of you. There should be some Bibles there. You're welcome to use those. In fact, if you're here this morning and you don't own a Bible, take that Bible with you. It is yours free of charge to take with you. We would love to put the Word of God into your hands. If you're watching this morning by live stream, and you don't have a Bible, it's okay. Most of everything I'm gonna share with you is gonna be on the screen as far as the verses go, so you won't need to worry about that. You'll easily be able to follow along. In Mark chapter 16, verses one through eight, this is what we read. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb... They saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. He said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Well, this is Easter Sunday. This is Resurrection Sunday. Now, just to be clear for everyone this morning, every Sunday of the year is Resurrection Sunday. In fact, and you may know this, maybe you don't, but the reason that we gather together on Sunday, the first day of the week, rather than on Saturday, the seventh day of the week, is because of the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus rose on the first day of the week, therefore, biblically and historically, the church has always met on Sunday, because Sunday is Resurrection Day. Now, I do think it's important that once a year on this Sunday we get to place a, an even greater emphasis on the resurrection, and that's what we're here today to do. Our first point this morning is, he is not here, he has risen. On the first day of the week, three women go to the tomb where Christ was buried in order to anoint his body. Again, in verses 1 through 3, it says, When the Sabbath was passed, because they could not work on the Sabbath, they could not go on the Sabbath, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome 
brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early, watch this, on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, Who? Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? Now, all three of these women, all three of these women were present at the crucifixion, and two of them were present at the burial of Jesus. So these are loyal followers of Jesus, these women who had followed him throughout his ministry. And they go to anoint the body as an act of respect and devotion. If you really loved someone at this time in history and your loved one had passed away, you would go and you would anoint their body. Now we know with Jesus that Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea had already wrapped the body in spices when Jesus was taken down from the cross. Jesus was then placed in a tomb owned by Joseph of Arimathea. So this is after that. You would come and you would anoint the body, even though you knew the body was going to decay, you did it as a way of kind of a temporary preservation, but even more important than that, you did it as an act of respect and devotion. Now I want to mention something about these three women that is important this morning. The eyewitness of these women is vitally important to the gospel records. Back at this particular time in history, in this culture, and was quite prevalent at this time in history overall, the credibility and validity of a testimony of a woman was not nearly as important as the testimony of a man. In most law courts at this time in history, the testimony came, if not predominantly, exclusively from men. So if you went to a courtroom, it would be filled with men because the testimony of a woman was not seen as being as credible or as valid. So if Mark was going to falsely convince you or try to convince you that Jesus is alive. If this weren't true and he were just trying to push a false narrative on you, the last thing he would have done was you, would be to use the testimony of women. He would have used the testimony of men instead. So the fact that women play a key role in testifying to the resurrection of Jesus is extremely important to its credibility and validity. But not only that, I think it reminds us, in God's eyes, forget culture, in God's, in God's eyes, throughout all of history, throughout all of human history, the testimony of a woman is just as important, just as credible, and just as valid as the testimony of a man. Well, just as daylight breaks, they go to the tomb. They are concerned about who is going to roll away the stone. The stone would be huge. And it would be in a groove, but it would be so heavy and so large that it would take multiple people to roll it in front of the opening of the tomb and to roll it away from 
the tomb. So their concern was when we get there, how are we going to get that stone rolled away? And when the women reach the tomb, they find the stone has already been rolled away. And that in and of itself was astonishing to them. How did that happen? In verses 4 through 7, we really have the heart and soul of this particular passage of Scripture. It says, in looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. Notice, it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go. Tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. So, how did the stone get rolled away? We don't have to guess. We don't have to speculate. In Matthew chapter 28 and verses 2 and 3, it tells us exactly how the stone was rolled away. It says, And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. What a picture. An angel of the Lord supernaturally comes and rolls back the stone and sits on it. And he is dressed in dazzling white. Now I want to share something with you this morning that I shared back in the fall when we were finishing our study on the Gospel of John. So some of you have heard this before, but I want to repeat it again because I think it's extremely important. The angel rolled away the stone not to let Jesus out, but to prove that Jesus wasn't there. Okay? I just want to make that clear to all of you. It wasn't like, Well, the angel of the Lord came down, rolled away the stone, and and now, Jesus, you can come out. No, I believe with all my heart, based on the authority of Scripture, when the stone was rolled away, Jesus was already alive and he was already gone. He was alive. He walked right through that stone. We know that from the Gospel of John that he could walk right through walls. We saw on two different occasions toward the end of the Gospel of John that he walks through a closed room, walks through the walls, meets with his disciples and says, peace be with you. He created the atoms. He created matter. It was nothing for him to walk through there. So when they rolled away the stone, he's already gone. He's alive and he's gone. So why did they roll away the stone? I'm sure there are multiple reasons, but two major reasons that you should always keep in mind. Two major reasons. Number one, when the stone was rolled away and the tomb was empty, empty, it declared to the entire world that Jesus had overcome sin and death. By his resurrection, he had overcome sin and death for all who believe in him. Second major reason that the stone was rolled away was to invite people to come into the tomb and see for yourself. So for these ladies, for these women, come on in and look and check. The stone is rolled away. Later, Peter and John will come 
and go into the tomb. And it's as if God is saying, come, come into the empty tomb and see for yourself. And for hundreds of years since then, through the inspired word of God, every single one of us have been invited into the empty tomb to see that Jesus is not here. He has risen. So that's why the stone was rolled away. And when the women entered the tomb, they saw a young man sitting there dressed in a white robe and putting that together with all the gospel accounts, we know without a doubt that this is an angel. So they are seeing visibly and talking to an actual angel, and it says, and they were alarmed, as we would have been. But there they are in the empty tomb, Jesus not there, talking to an angel. And the angel makes one of the most, if not the most, important announcement in the history of the universe. And I want you to notice carefully the six parts of his announcement, starting in verse 6. And he said to them, number one, do not be alarmed. You don't need to be alarmed. You don't need to be afraid. Number two, you seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. Let it be clear. They had come for Jesus, a specific person, Jesus of Nazareth. And this is the man who was crucified, who was crucified by the Romans at the request of the Jewish religious leaders. Number three, he is risen. He's not here. He's alive. He's left the tomb. He's not here. And we believe biblically and theologically that it was God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead. Number four, see the place where they laid him. Come see. See for yourself. You don't have to just be told about it. See for yourself. See the place where they laid him. Number five, but go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. I want you to go and tell the disciples and Peter, that he's going to meet them there, alive, resurrected. He's going to meet them there in Galilee. And it's so interesting that he says, tell his disciples and Peter. Remember, Peter had denied that he even knew Jesus three times. Peter was so hurting. We saw that in the Gospel of John. And I think this is an inspired Word from the Holy Spirit, God is still going to use Peter. Even though he has failed, God is still going to use him in a mighty and powerful way. And I say to you, those of you who this morning who may feel like you failed the Lord, he can still use you. The resurrected and living Christ can still use you just like he used Peter. Number six. There you will see him just as he told you. In Galilee, they will see Jesus because Jesus said, even before he died, that he would meet them after he rose in Galilee. In Mark chapter 14, verse 28, Jesus said, but after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. He told them that. Perhaps they had forgotten, most likely they did, but so they are reminded of what Jesus had already told them. 
Well, more than the other three gospel writers, Mark chooses to emphasize the fear that the women experienced when they left the tomb, the fact that they were trembling and astonished. Look at verse 8. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now, the other three Gospels, if we take Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and put them all together, the other three Gospels tell us that the women were also filled with joy. They tell us that they eventually went to the apostles to tell them just as the angel had instructed them. So, it says at the end of verse 8, for trembling and astonishment had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. So what does that mean? They said nothing to anyone, but the angel told them to go tell the disciples. The other gospels said they did go and tell the disciples. Here's what I believe it means. That immediately after they were in the tomb, they were so filled with fear and astonishment that they didn't immediately tell anyone. I think they made a beeline to the apostles, and whoever they met on the way, they didn't say anything to them. They waited until they got to the apostles. The other Gospels also tell us that Jesus, in person, revealed himself to them, to these women. The other Gospels tell us that Jesus did indeed meet with his followers in Galilee. But Mark emphasizes that the women were shocked. They had been in the presence of the supernatural and they were afraid. Here is one of those special moments where the supernatural intersects with the natural and not only in a spiritual way, but in a visible, audible way. Folks, these three women saw an actual angel from heaven and talked with him. And we have this amazing time. Now, the supernatural and the natural are always intersecting every day as God guides us, as God convicts people of their need of a savior, but to actually have the supernatural appear in a visible, audible way, that was rare. And they knew it, and they trembled. They trembled, their bodies physically trembled. They were astonished, and they were afraid. Well, our second point this morning is the resurrection and the cross. To fully understand the resurrection of Christ, we must see its inseparable link to the cross of Christ. And that is why, on Friday night, we had a special Good Friday service. And during that service, in the singing, in what the choir presented, in my sermon, in the Bible readings, that Pastor Dan did from Isaiah and Pastor Chad did from Romans. We placed our focus Friday night completely on the crucifixion of Christ because it's so important to understand the crucifixion in understanding the glory and victory of the resurrection. You see, 
There are other people in the Bible who came back from the dead. Last Sunday on Palm Sunday, I shared with you that before the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, shortly before that, he had raised Lazarus from the dead. So there were other people in the Bible who had been raised from the dead. The great truth, folks, the great truth is not just that Jesus rose from the dead, but what his resurrection signifies. The resurrection of Christ is the great declaration of God the Father that every holy and righteous requirement of God was fully satisfied at the cross. That is so important for us to understand. We can't understand the fullness of the resurrection without that. The resurrection of Christ is the great declaration of God the Father that every holy and righteous requirement of God was fully satisfied at the cross when Jesus died and died in our place. The resurrection of Jesus is the declaration that our sins have been completely paid for. Not partially, not mostly, but our sins have been completely paid for. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he what? He washed it white as snow. Washed it white as snow. Our sins were completely, 100% paid for at the cross. The resurrection of Jesus is the declaration that God the Father's judgment against sin has been satisfied. Every sin was thoroughly and completely judged and paid for so that if you receive Christ as your Savior, you will never endure that punishment or that judgment because Jesus endured it in your place. The resurrection of Jesus is the declaration that sinful men and women can now come into the presence of a holy God and be granted forgiveness of sins and new life through the resurrected Christ. Because of Jesus, we can come to God. We can receive Jesus as our Savior and have a personal, saving relationship with God through Jesus. The resurrection of Jesus means that any of you, any of you, can come into an intimate love relationship with God that is real and personal. If you will admit that you have sinned and are willing to repent of that sin, if you believe with all of your heart that Jesus died and rose again for you, for your sins, and if you will receive Jesus Christ, Invite him to come into your life. Receive him as Lord and Savior. You will be forgiven of all of your sins. And by means of the Holy Spirit, Jesus will come to live in your life and you will be his forever. You will be saved. And we praise God for that. Toward the back of our bulletin, there are some guidelines of how you, as an individual, can receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. We have that toward the back of our bulletin every single week. 
specifically for that purpose. I want to say to all of you this morning, by the power of God, Jesus is alive. He is alive right now. And by the grace of God, in Christ, you can become alive if you will receive Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. Let's pray together. Father, we praise and thank you for our Savior's resurrection from the dead. Because he lives, we too can live. Our forgiveness, our freedom from guilt and shame, and our intimate love relationship with you are all dependent, they are all completely dependent on the resurrection of Jesus. He is our living hope in this life and in the life to come. And it's in his name that we always and forever pray. Amen.